Hey there, humanoids. This is David Shoemaker. The pro wrestling world is currently on fire. And so we've got you covered five days a week on the Ringer Wrestling Show. Every Monday and Thursday, hang out with me and Kaz on the Masked Man Show. And this is Peter Rosenberg, the host of Cheap Heat. Join me and my guys, Stack Guy Greg and Dipperstein, on Tuesdays and Fridays. We talk wrestling, we have bagel breakdowns, mage interviews, and so much more. And Ben Cruz here. Come kick it with me, Cal, and Brian on Wednesday Worldwide, where we hit the most interesting headlines and even react to some of Mass Man's, Cheap Heats, or even your hottest takes. Don't tap out, tap in to the Ringer Wrestling Show feed, now on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. And stay mage, everyone. Worldwide. of Triple Threat. Right. I'm Nora Princiati. I am joined, as always, by Stephen Ruiz. And today, for one day and one day only... You're never Austin allowed back. Gale. Wow. Okay. Already being told I'm not allowed back on. I'll take it. I'll take it, honestly. Is this a, gotta be a one-hit wonder. I'm, I'm happy being a one-hit wonder. Welcome to the pod. I really appreciate it. I love this pod, so I'm excited to be oh, on it. Thank you. We're actually, you know what, probably not for, for one day and one day only. Because as I think our listeners... All know, but just in case they don't, it's worth reiterating. You are a, a, a draft nick, a guru, a studier of the tape and the prospects <laughs> and the guys. I, I, I'd say so, but maybe not any more so than uh, anybody at the, the ringer, right? Everyone's grinding the tape. I know you're grinding the tape. I'm Late? not. I'm no? not. I'm not grinding that <laughs> seventh round tape, AG. It was and very I don't hard. Feel bad telling you that. <laughs> it, was, it was very hard to get through Bo Nix's tape. I will say that you're a hater on Bo Nix for no reason. I feel like uh, we'll we'll have to talk about it a little bit later in the show. But I, I got I I got a little excited by by some of the placements, some of the, some of the throws, avoiding sacks. What's wrong with avoiding sacks in this league? Okay, we'll save it. We'll save it for them. <laughs> we'll that's, get there. That's why we'll you're not there. allowed back. <laughs> um, but so we're in Indy. It's Combine Week, and you know we've started getting to the podiums, talking to coaches, talking to GMs. Prospects will go later in the week. Uh, Austin is going to be sort of one of our draft correspondents, I think, as we head into the next month plus, better part of two months, basically, before we get to the draft. And that's going to be great. So you actually will be back. I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have said what I said. It was a lie. I lied. I'll, I'll take it. I'll I lied take on it. the pod. That's right, Steven. I'm already It's back. happened before. It'll probably happen again. Um, but we're excited about that. And we thought that we would do sort of a two-part show. Um part sort of looking ahead at those prospects and part just going through everything that's happening in Indy this week at the Combine, starting with an interesting idea that Steven brought up the other night as we were all, you know, palling around as we do high velocity at the JW Marriott here in Indianapolis. Pounding waters. <laughs> pounding waters. I was really pounding waters and was made fun of for doing that. But you know what? Hydration is key. So I stand by my choices. Um, but Stephen, why don't you you preface sort of what you pitched to me as a really interesting thesis for how we can kind of look at the, the quarterback prospects and this quarterback class? Well, I don't think any quarterback gets drafted in a vacuum like Sure. There are things that happen throughout the league that influence that. We always talk about the NFL being a copycat league, and that extends to so many different facets of the league. And I think draft prospects, I think that's one where it happens at any position, but obviously quarterback gets the most attention. It's the most important position on the field. And I think that it's easier to mess up when you're 
following in another team's footsteps rather than doing something, I guess, that breaks the mold of what typically gets done. In the um, the interview room today, you hear people walking around and, and asking coaches, you know, going up to Andy Reid and, and saying, what do you know now about looking at quarterbacks that you maybe didn't before you drafted Mahomes? Or how do you think that quarterback evaluation is, has changed since you got into the league? And you hear people like, like Reid or like John Harbaugh said, you know, well, when we drafted Lamar, a lot of people thought that that was a bad idea. No one's really saying that that was a bad idea now. And Reed was talking about there's guys who might get drafted highly because of the success that Mahomes has had that probably wouldn't have in the pre-Mahomes. And Reed brought up Lamar, too. Like, he brought up another team's quarterback. And he was like, I said it back then. Like, teams were saying, or not teams, but people were saying he should play another position. He was like, I think he should be a quarterback. He was right. So I I just think it's a really interesting idea just because we do see, you know, you see something happen once, right? you feel like it can happen again. And and when you're in this draft space that it has a little bit of a crapshoot element to it, it has even more of an element of trying to make sense of just so much data and so much information and so much projection that it's definitely something that we see around the league where they say, oh, now we're in the Mahomes era. So you need these three things to mimic that type of success. But there's other quarterbacks and I won't spoil because I think we're going to go through, we're going to go through the prospects. We're going to go through the six quarterback prospects that are on Danny Kelly's top 100 big board, um, which I think is the be all and end all of draft evaluation. Of course. Uh, Ringer NFL draft guide. Everyone should check it out. The true draft, Nick. Um, But I think it's, it's interesting because it's, it's, uh, we can look at sort of what stories the league is telling us that the teams that might be interested in those, those prospects are paying attention to. And then we can also evaluate, is that a good story to be listening right, to? Yeah. Cause sometimes it is right. Mm-hmm. I think the Lamar and, and Mahomes stories right. tell us about a league embracing some schematic stuff from colleges, a, an embrace of athletic traits of an emphasis on, on tools and mobility and the ability to, to change defenses that has proven out to be a really good way to look at quarterbacking. There are also probably some fallacies in the stories that maybe we could tell ourselves about other prospects. So I just think it's a cool framework. So that's what we're going to, going to do first here. Um, Shall we start? Let's do it. With, I think the, the consensus number one prospect in this draft was Caleb Williams, who Steven explains the Caleb Williams draft profile. I mean, this one's the easy one. It's Patrick Mahomes. Like Caleb Williams is a prospect in any draft class. But without Mahomes, the Mahomes model, and I would even throw like Lamar, a little bit of Lamar in there, a little bit of Josh Allen in there. I don't think he's a consensus top five pick, and he's certainly not QB1 in this draft with a guy like May out there, like the prototype out there. He's six, what is he, six one, six Mm -hmm. one and a half, maybe six two. He's not a big guy. He doesn't play the position like we typically have seen it played in past decades. Those guys that go number one typically, I would... Maybe Kyler Murray's in there a little bit. Sure. I think a lot of these guys over the last five years have made it possible for Caleb Williams to be QB1 with a bullet. It's a really interesting question without getting too far ahead of ourselves. Like 10, five, 10 years ago, like five years ago even, but let's call it 10. What does this, if this draft class is coming out and you have to go in some leaps and bounds to make that make sense with how the college game is played and blah, 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 blah. But if these guys are presented to the NFL in 
you know, 2016. 2017 when Mahomes is drafted. Sure. I feel like that's the model. Yeah. What does what does this ranking list look like? Because it probably looks pretty different in a number of ways. But starting with that's a good question. Where Williams would fit in and, and how the league would look at him. I, I still feel like he would be a coveted prospect for the arm and like the arm talent. I think that before Mahomes, and he wasn't even the QB one in his own class. No. Before Mahomes, there was it was less a guarantee of a team saying. Oh, he's got a big arm. Let me work with that. Let me play with that. Let me try and do something with that. I think it was like, oh, he's got a big arm, but I just don't see anything else. And can I do it? And I think with Caleb, a little bit smaller, I think maybe people are bringing up his height. And I think the other thing is that all the out of structure stuff, people are saying, can he do the inside of structure stuff? Sure. I think that's what a lot of the quarterback evaluation was pre Mahomes. Right? Yes. And then Mahomes, Allen, I think added two things. Mahomes adds this whole flavor of if he's got a big arm and he can make these plays out of structure and make these throws off platform, specifically the throws that you've written about for the ringer, like where you're off your base, flailing back and can still put it downfield. I think teams are like, I want that talent. Let me work with everything else. Before that, I don't think we were saying that. And then with Allen, it's not just the talent that he had. It was also the developmental arc that I think teams started to attach themselves to. And that like we can take a kid out of Wyoming who has a rocket arm, really good athleticism, but really nothing else, some bad accuracy on tape, some bad decisions on tape, and that two, three-year trajectory, that works for us. I think there's some fallacies in the Josh Allen one. I don't think everyone turns that two-three arc, but like I do think with with Williams, and because Mahomes was drafted and the success that he's had, because Josh Allen was drafted and the success that he's had, it's easier for teams to say, let's find a way not to mimic evaluating that talent and selecting that talent, but find a way to mimic developing that talent. Yes, I think that's yeah. always like undervaluated or under-discussed in the whole pre-draft process as well, especially with quarterbacks. And I think that the NFL has a bit of a development issue because only you know we're, there's a whole conversation on do you sit guys, do you play guys right away. I think it's easier in today's NFL to break a quarterback than yes. make a quarterback if you draft them very highly and have the expectations. And I don't think that's gone away. I don't know if anything, anyone's been able to show that. Obviously, like Jordan Love sitting, Patrick Mahomes sitting. There's some people saying, like, maybe this should be the way. I don't know. I think overall, Mahomes and Allen, both those were also good teams, yeah, right? Exactly. Like, those, right. Were, yeah, those were stable franchises, decent rosters. And even those two plans were different. Like, right. Mahomes sat for 16 games. Right. Jordan Love sat for like 38 <laughs> games. Yeah, or yeah, something. yeah, yeah. And I, I, I don't know. I think that the it's as, it's, it's as important about like identifying the talent about you know, what you like and what you think is working in the NFL. I think last year's combine, we heard a lot of coaches talking about escapability and the second play and trying to sure. extend things. I think what also needs to be discussed is like, what exactly is the right way to enter these guys into the league? Because I mean, I, I mean, with Bryce Young, right? I think Bryce mm. Young's an interesting quarterback. And maybe I'm getting off, off tangent here, but like Bryce Young's an interesting we'll quarterback to talk about. We'll pull you back in a second. It's okay. It's interesting. He's an interesting quarterback <laughs> to talk about because is that someone that maybe benefits from sitting or is that someone who maybe benefits from going a little bit later and expectations not being as high? Sitting, like, I don't he know. gets even shorter. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Booster seat. We need a booster seat. Um, so uh, point well taken. And uh, we should stress that like, these are not comps, right? No, this is no, about no. the stories that, that we in the league sort of tells itself that influence where guys get drafted. But from a, a more compy perspective, I am curious because, Stephen, you've written about the off-platform throws right, and yeah. about how if you look around the league at who's having success, that ability to, like, throw that fade away and, and throw when, you know, whether it's about core strength or well, it's, whether it's about how you control your arm angles, you can make those plays. 
is such an essential quality. Where's where is Caleb for you uh, when you watch you the see, tape? I would have called myself crazy if I heard myself saying this three weeks ago, but Mahomes is the right comp. I know we're not doing comps, but that is the right comp for him. And I think the out of structure stuff, what people I think get wrong, this is just my opinion, is that you're not asking yourself what's the like the other play to be made. With Zach Wilson, there was other plays to be made, and he was still doing stuff. With Caleb, when you watch them, especially this last year, that offense was not good. And I mean that from top to bottom. Like The offensive line wasn't good. The receivers weren't good. The play calling wasn't good. The design wasn't good. And they scored a bunch of points because of this quarterback and because of what he did out of structure. I found myself, like, I think it's another thing that's been under-discussed, too, about the USC offense is that the design's not good, the scheme's not good, no one's getting open, and that's what often, more often led to had the highest average time to throw of any quarterback in college football sure. this year. And I think a lot of people are saying he's dodging things or missing throws, and it's like you turn on, you watch the tape, and it's you'll see there. immediately, like Jerry Rice's son just doesn't have it. You know, like it's, it's, just, <laughs> it's, it's not working, right? Like it's not, it's not working uh, the way that they expected. And I also think even beyond like the talent of the receiving core, how often were you watching USC and seeing like, no one come open and also all short intermediate routes. And he's coming off at super quick. Like there are times where I feel like Caleb moved quicker in the progressions. because He's almost expecting them not to get open, almost right. expecting the play not to work. And that I remember writing, I don't remember who I was talking to about it, but I, I remember saying to someone that a big part of the Caleb Williams conversation is going to be, can you distinguish the plays where yes. he is no. moving too fast to the progressions wrongfully? And or when he's like, I better get out of here because this isn't working and I need to make a play because my team sucks. And like Caleb Williams, USC should have been like a playoff competitive team this year because of the talent that Caleb Williams is. And he was hamstrung by obviously a bad defense. Everyone knows that he watched USC this year, but also like a poorly designed offense with bad skill players. And I, I don't know. I, I think that I saw a little bit of that in the beginning of the season. I was like, oh, is this going to play out? And then as you watch towards the end, the UCLA game at the end of the year. Yeah. It's a disaster in terms of how they prepare for that game, the offensive structure, who's getting open. And like when you get beat that bad by your yeah. um, key rival and like it's not even close, that's me. I mean, even in their home stadium, like I don't know, like you could just tell that the offense was not there. It was not there for Caleb. And I think that you need to be well, able like to you distinguish could, that. You could tell without getting anywhere remotely close to the like very dumb discourse about him having feelings. Like <laughs> you can tell that much of the season war on him. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, oh, absolutely. I, don't, I can't even get into that discourse. The, the paint, the, I, yeah. it's just ridiculous. Feelings. I hate, I hate, I hate how we much. We are scared uh, of them. It reminds me a little bit of um, some of the Kayvon Thibodeau stuff coming out where like people are like, this is different. I hate it. <laughs> right, right, that's what it is. <laughs> this is different. He's wearing a dress. This I'm is, out. This is different. I hate it. It's maybe the more appropriate uh, explanation for draft paradigms. All right. Speaking of not different. Let's let's, <laughs> let's keep it rolling. Um there is I, I'm going in I'm going in in Danny's order here. Um, although I guess it's it's probably right to point out that there's starting to be a fair bit of intrigue over whether Drake May is really QB two in this class or not, but we'll put Drake May up next. Who's our? How do we tell the story of Drake May? <laughs> this in is historical I'll take it, terms. I'll take it. We were we were trying to think of maybe some of the comps in Justin the NFL, Herbert. like like Justin Herbert, even like Josh Allen. I've seen some people compare him to Josh Allen online because of some of the like bad decision making. But like I don't know, you can't just say every bad decision from like a strong on quarterback to Josh Allen. That just doesn't make. <laughs> that's not how this works. Like 
To me, it's Christopher Columbus who, who sailed the ocean blue in 1942. And um, hold on, hold on, not 1942. I know, not 1942. Uh, what is it? 1492. Yeah. Well, I mean, essentially, it's just like every white quarterback ever sets the precedent for like if you're big, white, strong-armed, you're going to be coveted in the class. And I feel like that's what that's that's like the nutshell of what Drake May is. And I think he's still a guy that is getting better. Still a guy that, in my opinion. I don't like the Herbert comparisons because I don't yeah. see the athlete that Herbert was. Sure. And I don't think that he's not even the athlete that Trevor Lawrence was. Yeah. I'm not saying he's this level. He's closer to Kenny Pickett than he is to Herbert in terms of an athlete. In terms Ooh. of like in terms of like him separating from like defenders running to the edge and being like a runner. And I know he had better rushing numbers in twenty twenty two than he did this previous year. But that to me is like maybe a key separation and why I'm not on the Herbert stuff. But anyway, I I think that the pathway for Drake made getting into the league is every big white strong arm quarterback yeah, before just, him. Yeah, just just for clarity's sake, <laughs> I asked when we were planning this spot. I asked Stephen and Austin, like, "All right, what where, where are you going to go with Drake May?" And it started as every big strong armed prototypical quarterback ever, and then it got into the history of time, <laughs> the history of. of Capitalism. I think capitalism, capitalism yeah, like, was one of just, them. And all of a sudden we ended at Christopher Columbus. So just in case that was a little opaque for any listeners, <laughs> that's how that happened. Um, again, I'll use the same framework. If this draft happens in 20, 2017, I mean... He's going number one overall. He's going number one overall, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Like Drake May is absolutely... In 1942? One in yeah. <laughs> he might be there. I mean, in 1492, 1942, he's the president of the United States. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's actually true. I think that's actually true. Harding made it? He yeah, made, it's made, it's made it. Well, he's the leader. 1942. Sorry. <laughs> he's leading us through World War II. Yeah. Um, in the current NFL, is this a, a in your view, Stephen? I'm curious because you've brought me along a lot on the necessity of uh, mobility and athletic traits, and just sort of being like a complete prerequisite in the draft. Would you take Drake May? Like, where would you take Drake May? Oh, I'd take him second. You'd take him second. And I I honestly, I've like had the same take as Austin. I, I don't like the Herbert comparison. I don't think he's close to Herbert. I could see why you might talk yourself into that because he does have some of those impressive arm talent plays. But I'd take him second. He's a, he's a good prospect. I don't know if he's a great prospect. I don't think he's Caleb. I don't think he's like generational. But for a second second overall pick, I mean... Zach Wilson was the second overall pick. This guy is way better than that. For Washington, too. Like, even kind of fitting it to who has the number two overall yeah. pick. I mean, you are getting something they have not had in a long time in terms of what he can be and what he could be. And even right away what he can be. I, I think that when I was comparing him to Caleb Williams watching the film back, and part of this is because of the offense Caleb was in, we've talked about that, but I, I found myself consistently, even as the season progressed, He's getting the ball out faster and faster and faster. And he's the more command of the offense he had towards the end. And that's something that when we talk about Bo Nix and we talk even about like JJ McCarthy, the, I feel like getting the ball out on time is something that grows on you when you're like watching players in the NFL at the bottom of like the league or like, Spoken oh like my a God. true Raiders fan. <laughs> yeah. When you're just watching <laughs> players, you just don't know what they're doing with the ball. You know, I think sack avoidance is super important. I think avoiding negative plays, avoiding th even like throwaways and stuff We're, like that. We are sack downs. avoidance built here we on are, the ringer. Right. Yeah. Dual like, threat, triple I threat. Show. I think Drake May, why I liked him more and more beyond the big arm, beyond the size, is like command of the offense gets better and better and better. And I think even part of the reason why he ran less in 2023 than he did in 2022 is because he's getting the ball out and getting the ball in the right place. And uh, I don't know. I, I do think he's the number two overall 
player in this so class. Yeah, I would say that too. Drake yeah. May is both of your QB two. Yeah. Why did I think that he was not? No, I, I guess I don't like the athleticism. I don't like the Herbert comps. Because well, like, yeah, we're pushing back against yeah, the idea yeah. that he is close to Caleb Williams. Because I don't even think he's in the same tier as Caleb. I think he's the number two overall I pick. I agree. I don't think he's in the same tier as Caleb. I think Caleb's better. I did not have that take like a month ago, but like when you watch Caleb down to down, yeah, it like it, it becomes obvious. He does like the because Drake May gets the credit for being the doing the quarterback stuff more than Caleb does, but he doesn't do it. The like, him. what do you think of Caleb Williams? at the bar in Indy, like, catchphrase is maybe worse than what Drake May is because Drake May is, like, big, you know, strong-armed. He's got, like, Herbert in him and stuff. When people talk about Caleb, it's like, yeah, I like the out-of-structure stuff. He can do what Mahomes can, but no one brings up, like, dude, put Caleb on an offense that actually makes sense, and he's oh, probably yeah. doing way better. And, like, no one's even talking about the conversation between May and Caleb Williams. And that's the thing. When you put that much pressure on a player, play after play, and in college it's, what, 80 oh, plays? Yeah, you're going you're gonna to fuck yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, you're yeah. going to fuck Absolutely. up. You're well, gonna... And with the way that defense played, like, more than <laughs> 80. Yeah. That'll break it. <laughs> That'll break Here's my. Spirit. This would be my comparison. May is, like, and I don't mean he's as good as this. I, I would say May is, like, 2019 Mahomes, and whereas... Williams is the leveled up version we saw last year win the okay. Super Bowl. Like he can do the checkdowns. He can play like a normal quarterback. Where I think May, like all young prospects, needs to develop and get better. All right. Next up, we got Jaden Daniels. Steve, you want to you want to take this one? I think it's Lamar, and I'm not high on Daniels. I'm. <laughs> I would not comp him to Lamar Jackson, but I think the skinny runner who has track speed, the fact that Lamar hit and has won two MVPs, I think that's the reason why Daniels could go third, maybe. Is, Otherwise, is, I don't get it. Is this So how much does it have to do with size? Is this Do we have a scarred Panthers fan talking about a, a physical statistical outlier? player no, and no. feeling afraid have you seen him play that's all he is <laughs> he is a cartoon character like it, that's how he approaches the game. he's Jayden, johnny knoxville is Jaden daniels comp what bill polian thought lamar jackson was that's a yeah I, yeah I feel like that skinny athletic black quarterback that runs a lot and runs very successfully but like everyone doubts him as a passer that's kind of what lamar was coming out i feel like people <laughs> I feel like Jane Daniels is not like as bad as what Bill Polian thought. Like look, he was telling Lamar Jackson to be a running back, but like Jane Daniels is not anywhere close to Lamar Jackson was as a no. coming out of the wall. Not anywhere close. And like a lot of that's with like recklessness and even the stuff that he's gotten better at. Yeah, you get better at that when you're 23, 24 years old and have played as long as he has. And I think that we always talk about in the draft process about like how they get better over time and going from their you know second to third year, third year, fourth year. Like you want to see that improvement, but. You want to see it in ways that like you don't just naturally get better by just having time on task and having reps. And I think a lot of that's like, wait, I'm realizing I have this edge over 19 year olds, 20 year olds with less experience than me running the ball more and doing all these things. I don't know. I, I feel like um, I like Jaden Daniels and I like the idea of like coming out of the draft with him. But like when you compare it to I got Jaden Daniels at number three overall and I'm the Raiders and I traded two first to go get him. because yeah. I need to go get this guy yeah. versus like, say, taking some of these names will bring up like either Bo Nix or Michael Penix in the top of the second. I'm taking Nix and Penix in the top of the second way before I'm kind of risking a lot yes. on Jaden Daniels. And it's not even about just him getting better. I, I think the better word is like him being different. Like he has to be a different style player in the NFL, not just better, but like how he thinks about Everything. I mean, he plays like Crash Bandicoot. I mean, he yeah, runs, he's he's like running straight into defensive right. players and like a little bit reckless and like stuff that like won't work in the league. That's not something that you need to like improve on. That's something that like a mindset change. That yeah, if you're drafted number three overall and things are shit, or shit's hitting the fan, 
you're going to go back to what worked. And when, go, if you go yes, back to yeah, what yeah, worked yeah. in well, the league, it's going to be a disaster. Yeah. And particularly, like, okay, think about it in, in in this sense. You're not the Raiders trading up and 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 selling the farm to get the opportunity. But say you're the Patriots and you have number three and, and the board goes as, as the board is maybe being predicted to go and you have an opportunity to, you can take Jane Daniels or you can pass on quarterback um, and try to trade your pick or, or whatever. Do you, is the value there for you if, if it's just number three overall? If I'm Elliot Wolf and I'm the Patriots at three, I am sprinkling, juicing Jaden Daniels hype everywhere mm-hmm. and then selling the pick to the highest bidder. Because if there is that legitimate, because we've heard, you've heard conversations here in Indy, people are saying Daniels might, might go too. Like right, Daniels yeah. might be, the, the second best quarterback in this class viewed by the league. I bet that's Wolf. Do you think that's, that's Wolf? That's Wolf. Snoke? Wolf's like, yeah, I could, I could hear him going too. And then people are like, you got Antonio Pierce, who's look, who obviously coached him at Arizona State. You got a team that's like maybe looking to come up and likes Jaden Daniels. From there, it's like, if the Patriots come out of this draft trading number three overall for like a King's Ransom, even just one future first, that's, a, in my opinion, a bigger win than taking him at three and objectively taking a huge risk on a prospect that has a very wide range of outcomes. And I, I haven't said that phrase yet, and I say it too much in the draft process, but like every prospect has a range we of outcomes. We love a wide range of outcomes. <laughs> Daniels has a very Is wide range Is it wide with him? Let Don't me push you, back against that. Like, okay. just yeah, here's, my, here's my problem. You're just saying it's out or you're out. He has a mid-arm. That's what nobody oh, no, will talk yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He doesn't have a strong arm. And I think that what covers it up is that he throws a good nine ball. I don't even believe in that. He has two NFL receivers on the outside. Yeah. Who's the second best go ball thrower in this draft, by the way? <laughs> uh, Does he play for Washington? Yeah, Does yeah, he also yeah, have yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. two? Who's the best one in the, the NFL? Is no, it Jalen Hurts? And Does he have A.J. Brown and, and Devontae Smith? It's funny how that turns out. Your, your, go that ball, works out. your go ball prettiness is often tied to receivers making adjustments on the ball downfield. And like yeah, Roma exactly. Dunze, who we're not, we're not going to talk receivers, but Washington receiver, played with Penix. Dudes makes adjustments on deep balls better than maybe anybody in this class. Yeah. And that will help you so much when I feel like we came out of that semifinal. And we're going to talk about Penix later, but we came out of that semifinal about Penix. And everyone's like, is this the best deep ball thrower the league has ever seen? And like, you're just consistently seeing a Dunze just like <laughs> right. the way he, he attacks the ball in the air just makes it feel like everything's that much more accurate. With Daniels, Malik Neighbors and Brian Thomas Jr., two receivers that could go in the first round, they helped him a lot too on some of those deep balls. Here's my comparison. Have you ever done like this thing? And like someone shoots a basket into it. Uh, yeah, like I think I have. And you kind of like <laughs> oh, it. I see. I and see. Steven's the, the doing making does... a basketball hoop with his arm. Yeah, this is bad <laughs> podcasting. But the person that shot the shot doesn't get to go. I'm a good shooter. Yeah, yeah. I'm true. Steph Curry. True, true. <laughs> I'm Steph Curry. But I think he's on the other end of that. What I asked earlier, like, why are you scrambling? And he does not scramble to throw. My comp for him is Jalen Hurts, a skinny one who can't survive. If one tush push. And is not necessarily <laughs> playing by the Eagles offensive line. Does he squat? What's the number that everyone says? Does he squat 600 pounds? I don't think so. I don't, <laughs> I don't think, think, so think Jane Daniels Can has Can you that. imagine? But he had, I saw some stat, I think it was 43% of his snaps that dropbacks that end outside the pocket and in a scramble. Wow. It can't be that high. He's and also, his pressure to sack rate is another yeah. big red flag. He has, I think, a 24% pressure to sack rate in his career. And it's not something that has gotten progressively better, even going from Arizona State to LSU. And of any quarterback taken in the first round over the last five years, it'd be the highest. And like that pressure to sack rate, and this is former PFF guy, love the data, love what's translatable and like what actually like goes to the league. Pressure to sack rate is one of the most consistent or like high correlating stats from going college to the right. NFL. Because we were talking about this with Shield like a couple of weeks ago. It, yeah. It, it factors in so much, right? Are you throwing the ball away when you have to throw the ball away? 
Yeah. Are you scrambling out of the pocket and obviously extending with your legs? Yeah. It's a bigger part of that. And are you getting the ball out on time? And those three things, like a lot of that's pocket pocket mobility. A lot of that's also just like pocket awareness and having presence in the pocket and making those right decisions. There is a play, and everyone's already sent it out on Twitter a hundred times, where like snaps the ball, doesn't see what he likes for whatever reason. And like like Johnny Knoxville jackass dives over the top and like gets slammed in the turf. And that, you result to that in the league, it's it's not going to end well. The Florida it's, State play. Yeah, yeah, the Florida State yeah, play. He, yeah. he, he jumps into the air. It's a pile, <laughs> like at the line of scrimmage. Yeah. This isn't op the open field. He's, uh, it's insane. You can't play like that. You can't. Decisions, decisions. Okay, next up we have JJ McCarthy. Who wants to take it? I feel like I have to take this don't, one. Go ahead, yeah, go ahead. Because you, you disagree with this, right? <laughs> I, I, a, little a little bit. bit. I don't yes. know. I, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit different. Go fight, ahead. fight, fight. It's Brock Purdy. <laughs> I, I, he is not a first round prospect. And I think he ends up slipping into the first round. I really think that happens. And I like, I like JJ McCarthy as a prospect. I've liked him since like October. I, I was like yeah. slacking you about it. I like him, but the undersized frame, mm -hmm. the leadership qualities, he won. He's Brock Purdy. I, I think every like GM that sees him is going to see Brock Purdy with talent, mm -hmm. like more talent. Sorry, yeah. that wasn't a dig at Purdy. McCarthy is a good athlete. He has some zip on his throws. I don't know if he has arm talent. Like, I don't think he puts touch on passes, and that's my biggest gripe with him. But I do think he has, like, the, the way you talk yourself into Purdy being, like, a top-10 quarterback is the way you talk yourself into J.J. being a first-round pick. He has, the, he has, like, the Wilson kind of arm talent, right? Where you're, yes. you're yeah. Zach Wilson. Conditional, yeah, yeah, yeah. conditional where, arm talent. Where you're, you're seeing some of these throws where he has zip. And you're like, man, this guy can like really, really throw it at the 10 to 15 yard level. But then, you know, there's a lot of stuff where you're seeing the kind of hitch he needs to take to get it down the field. Mm. And that kind of stuff, I think, is when you're like, wait, does he actually have it? And like, this sounds like I sound like an asshole, but like you watch just a handful of his deep throws and you can kind of immediately see that. Like watching your when you're watching the tape, Nora, I know you know this, too, but like when you're watching the tape and you're diving deep, you want to look at like. What's the pocket? How muddy is the pocket? Like, and this is where you get into off platforms and throws, off platform throws and stuff. It's like if you have a wide open pocket and you're taking like two hitches into this deep ball and it's still coming up short, that's where it's like you don't have it. But but if you're in a very nice pocket and you're able to rip it at the very 10 to 15 nice yard pocket. level. A lovely pocket. <laughs> if you're in a lovely pocket and you can rip it at the 10 to 15 yard level, people are like, whoa, nice zip. But I, I agree <laughs> that it's not, it's not where it is. It's like Zach Wilson levels. I but Brock Purdy was never hyped up as like a top 10 pick. Like the, you know what I mean? That's the, the where well, I kind so of I think, I think the distinction is, is yeah, is, oh, okay. yeah, yeah. Less so like how Brock Purdy got drafted, right? It's we just watched Brock Purdy have this 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 couple of years in the league that you know, yeah, had the commanders talking about Sam Hell's got a little Brock Purdy in him. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I think that maybe this isn't translating to the success in the league and like why you're convincing yourself in the JJ McCarthy. I know that's not the exercise, but it kind of kind of reminds me of like Connor Cook at Michigan State. I know, who, I know, it was a second round pick, but like someone who like won a ton at Michigan State broke all those records. People thought that like that winner mentality and maybe didn't have everything you wanted, but you could win with it. Mac Jones, I thought, was similar to that. And mm -hmm. I think he has he has more zip on the throws than what Mac Jones was putting out at Alabama. But, like, very good team, winning a lot of football games. That's the stuff that people like. Now, success in the league, maybe Brock Purdy's right. It's hard to think of a player as a I, – I, first thing I'm I thinking mean, of is, like, frame. Like, I don't see, like, a J.J. McCarthy frame. Well, also, like, with McCarthy, a lot, of, a lot of what I feel like I hear as the knock is, like, did he kind of passenger princess his way mm, yeah. into this? Like, yeah. how much was he actually relied on and someone who was captaining the ship? Yeah. I'm trying to think of who the right 
comp is there where in I mean maybe NFL? in some ways it, it is Mac Jones kind of where like you have success at oh, the highest yeah, level yeah, at the college or level, like yeah. I, look I know this is loaded but like without making a, a, a comp between how they actually play football to uh yeah, that's yeah. there's like a lot of consistent success a lot of like that was a little different because he had the hype as a recruit like he came in as like yeah, a guy yeah, mm-hmm. and I, yeah that's a good question but like I'll pose the question 2017 where does JJ get drafted yeah that that without seeing the success of like skinnier zip quarterbacks maybe he's not even being com- you know no. even talked about as but like he still won yeah 2017 we really we wanted we wanted some uh we wanted a thick, thick quarterback yeah, we wanted we wanted thick a big, like Deshaun Kaiser that yeah. was my QB one in 2017 <laughs> I, I still believe just he needs a chance we still believed in pedigree though and still believed in like winning at a blue blood program he won a natty i feel like every, you, you, you sound like you're saying that like you miss those days no i don't miss those days we're losing those days. recipes back when <laughs> men were men back when winning mattered uh no, no. i i feel like for me it's hard to think of it because he I got stetson Cordy's bennett right. yeah drafted yeah, yeah, like yeah, stetson yeah. bennett is a if udfa Zach Wilson was good jj mccarthy would be number one that's the opposite that, no. that's the opposite segment like the, the yeah yeah the yeah, horror yeah. Story. yeah exactly yeah. This, the reason jj mccarthy's doubted is Zach Wilson. Okay. Okay, but you so, but I think we do still value like a blue blood. Program. We do. I, I absolutely. And think I don't think that that's. I think that's part of the the where we are with. McCarthy. I'll say this: JJ McCarthy loses to Washington, and and he has the same a similar game to what Penix had. I think that. I think that. I don't think that JJ McCarthy is talked about as like a top again. ten, top fifteen. No, guy. no, it's He's over. Not. And like there you go, like right there is literally the problem. <laughs> that's such a that's such a problem. Like overrating yeah. wins like that is vile. And I feel like it's such bad process for for for, for evaluating quarterbacks. I agree. <laughs> we are we we don't respect wins in, on this podcast. No, no. So we actually no. only overrate. We it only is. respect pressure to sack rate. Yeah, it's it's pressure sack ratio EPA. It's not wins. Okay. Don't Who had win. the higher pressure to sack rate in the Super Bowl? Because that's the <laughs> actual Super Bowl. If, if, if it's the 49ers, I'm going to stop covering the NFL right now. <laughs> All right. So we've got Bo Nix and Michael Pettix left over. And I think you guys wanted to sort of tackle tackle these two as a pair. I'll start with Nix. I, I think your that, boy. I, I like I kind of like Bo Nix, and here's why. <laughs> well, first I'll do the exercise. I think that a similar My name is Austin Gale, <laughs> and I kind of like Bo Nix. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Austin. Uh, the Kenny Pickett is the the pathway here, where guy has success late in his career, late in his like age developmental curve, and you're like, wait, we saw it, we saw it a little bit. He was finally figuring things out. No, it wasn't perfect, but it's something I can get behind. And I still think Bo Nix could go at the end of the first. Yeah. Like in that now, Kenny Pickett, I think maybe slips to the think second. Five quarterbacks could go in the first round. I think there's it. a chance. I think there's a chance just because. I could see a team wanting to get their fifth-year option with Bo Nix or maybe getting their fifth-year option with Michael Penix. I don't know. That's, like, always the kind of the different piece there, but it's definitely don't not going to be a team. do this. I know. Do the, do the Will Levis thing. Yeah. The Will Levis like, thing is so good. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Just wait a little, yeah. and then it's not such a big deal. They yeah. throw one touchdown, and the fan base falls in and love with like, no, it. Such a good take. Such a good take. The value. The value. <laughs> That's don't, actually a good take. And I think stop. Bo Nix Bo in the second – I'm happy about that. I'm happy about I, Bo Nix in a second. I'm not a big Bo Nix guy, but I agree with that take. Day two, I'm fine with. Yeah. I'm fine. My comp for him, not this exercise, but my comp is Derek Carr. And that's why I despise this game. I, like, he's going to throw a check down on a Hail Mary like Derek Carr did. 
He's going to throw it away on a fourth down like Derek Carr did several times. And that's why I, I just can't get on board. And I like, I think he has decent traits. Yeah. Like he's a, he's got good size. He can, he can move. A, I don't think he's going to be like a run threat at yeah. the next level. His arm is good enough. I will say that, but maybe not even watch, as good as Derek Carr's though. No, no. Yeah. Derek Carr, that, yeah. That's he, he had an O's me, coming out of Fresno That's State. why it's so frustrating watching Derek Carr is because like he can run. He like he's, his combine performance is like really good. Yeah. Like 80th percentile. He has an arm. He can throw a touch. He knows X's and O's. He can work a pocket sometimes when he's when no one's gonna touch him. When he just isn't freaking he, out by yeah. pressure. And then he doesn't. He just yeah. says like, nah, I'm just gonna check it down. And I, that's what I see with Bo Nix. The other thing with Nix is a lot of hitches unnecessarily. Like a lot of like I'm going to throw it, not pump fakes. Second guessing a little bit. It's not yeah. pump fakes. It's like not intentional at all. It's like, oh, I, I thought this guy was open and he isn't. I'm going to pull back the ball. Word of the offseason, anticipatory. That's not there a ton, right? It's not a ton. It's not there a ton. Why? Not even the fake anticipation, like <laughs> like a couple of quarterbacks that I won't name. Um, for me, if you told me Bo Nix in year one, or even by year two, is as productive as Derek Carr is in terms of just like production, not style or anything. That's why I think there's a little value, right? I think no, that, I think and I think, value, that, yeah. I think because of how old he is and because of the success we've already seen and how much he got better. And I know I said that about Jaden Daniels. You don't want to see people get better. I do think he got better in terms of like pocket presence, comfortability in the pocket, all that stuff. He has one of the best uh, pressure to sack ratios in this class. And uh, It's a fake yeah. offense. It doesn't, that sack ding, doesn't ding, count ding, for him. <laughs> <laughs> He's the one where I don't care. It doesn't it, move me. I don't know. <laughs> I think I, I, can see, I, I can see myself wanting to get Knicks at the top of the second. And I'm fine with that. If Kenny Pickett went at the top of the second, Maybe he doesn't have all this pressure crashing down on well, him. But he's also, not, like, you know, losing these, his mind. Look, yeah, if, I'm always a fan of teams within reason in terms of the cost to acquire, just like throwing darts at the dartboard at quarterback. Just yeah. take some swings, get, get someone who you can see what you have. The other thing is like when you wait a little bit and even like, I think the second round is fine for this. If, if Bo Nix ends up being a, a decent backup, somebody who, you know, you can have on your roster, he is not going to make huge mistakes. He's going to be careful with the ball. He's going to throw it away on, yeah. on you know, fourth and long um, when we need a Hail Mary. That's okay. <laughs> if you reach and five guys go in the first round, like statistics tell us, history tells us there are going to be some, some bummer stories mm -hmm. in that. And so if we look at, I mean, the way that things shaped up last year was really interesting. It was that, and that kind of restraint, like it's good. Do it. Yeah. Everybody chill out. If, if you want to talk about losing recipes, it's uh, the second round quarterback, you know, the guy yeah, that like, you're like, Hey, we don't think he's a first round caliber player. We're not going to put those expectations on him. We're going to develop him as a backup unless shit hits the fan. Like when the Raiders drafted Derek Carr, it was like we signed Matt Flynn to this big deal, but he was terrible. And then Matt Schaub was like old. Right. And they're well, like, okay. And that's the problem is that when you come in with those, with that sort of those expectations, then often like the guy's not getting a lot of practice reps yes, and yes. blah, 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 yeah. blah, blah. I am saying don't, don't say that that's your intention, right? Mm -hmm. But it's just like, if that's what happens. Yeah. A lot of backup quarterbacks making ten million bucks a year. Like that's 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 value for your team. Can I draw some info on you about Bo Nix? Drop it. <laughs> Don't his real name that. is Bo. That's <laughs> not a nickname. His name, he was parents named him Bo. That I actually so, respect. I, I don't. <laughs> you have to earn that nickname. And I, I 
don't I did research. I went through every famous Bo. Bo Jackson's name was not Bo. It was like Edward or something. Uh, Bo That's worse. So, okay, so, so this, Bo is, this is my was question. A, not a natural Bo. Wait, Bo Diddley was a guy's so name? Bo can be short for Edward. I didn't know this. No, I don't think it can no, be short no, for Edward. No, no, no. I mean, people just choose Bo sometimes. And I just made so up Edward. Not, I said like Edward. Like, <laughs> no, I have a computer in front of me and I refuse to check. <laughs> we're, not, like, we're not saying that he's Bo instead of like Beauregard. I only know, th- yeah, he's not. Beauregard Bo Mix. <laughs> <laughs> I only know three Bo's, famous Bo's. It was Vincent Edward Jackson. And I he went said, by Bo. Let's say Bo Jackson, not a natural Bo. Uh, Bo Diddley, a famous jazz player. Austin doesn't know music. Not a Bo. Not a natural Bo. Bo Burnham, named Robert. Not a natural Bo. That I respect. Bo and Robert, I can can see. The fourth one, like, he's just Bo. He has a two-letter name. His name is just B-O. B-O-N-I-X. I I mean, that is some, like, that is some late late game scrabble bullshit and you can't even you can't, you can't even do like the mitchell trubisky thing you remember when he changed the mitchell at the last yeah, second because yeah, yeah. he doesn't have a name to change it to and by B. the way if you stink but, and your name is bo the new york post is gonna cook <laughs> like nicks also not there great. are so many opportunities i still um, think i respect being named bo more than your Be given named. name is Vincent Edward, and you're like, yeah, I go by Bo. Oh, no, I was going to say, have, I respect being so... named Bo more than I respect having the last name Penix. Oh, Penix, yeah. That's a rough one. I don't get that one. What do you guys mean? <laughs> <laughs> But no, you had to be so cool that someone goes, that's a bow. You're like, you're a bow. But no, he, he really? skipped that. Oh, he I didn't know that, that was a It's thing. cool to be a bow. I didn't know that. But not a natural bow. Not a natural <laughs> bow. Okay. Earn bows, the that's bow. That's good info. Earn Thank the, you. Bow. Earn the bow. Thank you for dropping said <laughs> info, Stephen. I didn't earn the bow, which is maybe fair. <laughs> it's like the opposite of the McCorkle thing. Yeah, you know okay. I mean? yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, we got, we, we, we got to move on. So I want both of you to drop like one Michael Penix take and then we'll, we'll move on. I think that... Michael Penix got overhyped on the run because of some of the stuff that on the, his run in terms of getting into the college football playoff. I think he got overhyped because he has really good receivers and a lot of like, I called him, I think I, you say merchant a lot, but I do think he was like a vertical lead merchant. Like a lot of the I'm success, a merchant merchant. Yeah, yeah, you're a merchant <laughs> merchant. But like, I do feel like when you're going back and watching some of his best throws and like what you're most impressed by is like, vertical lead throws and i'm not even just saying nine balls but like posts and like deep corners and all that stuff where you're just like he's just putting in front of guys and 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 giving roma dunce and jalen mcmullen and uh, jalen polk all these opportunities to like go get the ball and i think that's great that's still great i still think that i'd rather have bo nix and penix wait well, absolutely yeah. absolutely would rather have and like penix a lot of people talk about the sack avoidance and that was a big thing in the college football playoff run and he has you know, one of the better sack avoidance pressure, you know, pressure to sack ratios in this class. Bo Nixon's was better. And yeah, I know it was a bit fake offense and I'm there for that, but I, I'm still on like, Penix got better in ways that I think you have to respect. I still would rather take a flyer in the second on Nix over Penix. Both guys in the second though, I, I can get behind. Yeah. And he doesn't work the middle of the field, which is always a red flag for prospects. Which, why doesn't he work the middle of the field? Because the vertical stuff is working so well for him and those guys are getting wide open on those routes. You're not even going to try that stuff. But they get open over the middle and he doesn't throw it. Yeah, no, I, but he also he does. I feel like part of it is because he's it's going leaning back on the stuff that you're good at, yeah, and, and avoiding the stuff that you're bad at. Which but, when you get to the NFL, they find that out pretty quick. Right. They the origin story is Jalen Hurts, though. That that would be the origin story. He transferred as a fringe prospect, I would yeah, say. Yeah. For, like a, he was a better at Indiana. He made some Indiana good Indiana throws. Was yeah. For Auburn. Yeah, and then he landed in a good situation and capitalized on it yeah. and improved. I mean, I think that 
I was doing some of the stats when I was writing about the college football playoff. I think he's like one of like two quarterbacks or like one of like only a handful of quarterbacks that threw for like back to back 4,500 yard seasons or something like him and Patrick Mahomes are up there. Like he has some crazy stats and like the production was was wild. And I think that's why a lot of people were on him in the playoff run. But um, I still I still I, I like the Jalen Hurts comp in terms of like his trajectory and why people are like, I can get behind this. Love it. All right, let's move on. Away from away from the prospects into the into the interview room where all three of us were milling about and hearing a bunch of of sound bites from all the different coaches and GMs that spoke today. We're gonna play a little game that we call Pro Football Talk Headline Roulette. We've prepared a wheel. And the wheel has several news items from today from the 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 very helpful website, Pro Football Talk. Ever heard of it? Ever heard of it. And so we're going to spin the wheel and it's going to land on a headline and uh, we shall discuss. All right. Steven's going to do the honors. Steven, spin the wheel. All right. First spin. Nice spin duration. Nice. The one I wanted. <laughs> All right, what's the headline? George Patton on, or George Payton, sorry. Yeah, George Payton on. on trading Russell Wilson. I haven't heard anything from any teams. <laughs> Here's my question. Austin said what happened to, like, winning quarterbacks. What happened to lying? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe the worst thing he could have said. I, I, I don't understand. I feel like we always get lying in terms of we really like this guy, and we really think we have faith in Justin Fields, we have faith in this person. Today... There was the Raheem Morris quote on Desmond Ritter where he's like, if we had better quarterback play, I'm probably not here. It's like, damn, Desmond Ritter's dragged. And in this one, it's like, yeah, haven't heard anything about Russell Wilson. I don't think, I don't think anyone's, uh, I don't know if anyone's Absolutely interested. Absolutely no one Still, in the uh, entire league phone, is trying to trade. <laughs> are interested. The bidding war is one or zero. We'll give you two if you order yeah. now. <laughs> I mean, is this like, is this the equivalent of the thing that teams do where they're like, so-and-so is going to get cut so that they're hoping some team like hops in at the last second to avoid the waiver wire and offers them a seventh round pick, that, except it's Russell Wilson. That would be insane if that's like the finagle here. If that's like the, yeah. the position, he's like, honestly, we're about to cut him. How about you drop that? No one's called yet. And they, they can get him for a seventh. It's like, ah, that's not going to happen either with the contract. There's, there's stuff. no I, there's chance no with the contract no because way. the contract is the issue. It's just like, that's the only paradigm in which this happens in the league. I, th- I need to hear Russell Wilson's reaction to that on the Brandon Marshall podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. Where, can we get that breakdown, please? Uh, he's got more fire than ever. Was the quote? Oh no! And he wa- he said he wanted to stay in Denver. This is Russ. Yeah, Russ said I would put Denver. Was, so he's on the Brandon Marshall pod the other day, and, and he gets asked. Um, they went through the betting odds of where he Incredible was most content. likely to to go next, and um, Brandon Marshall asked him to to rank them, and Russell said I would put Denver one because I'm there right now. Which felt very Russell Wilson mm-hmm. to yeah. me. Yeah, but that I guess maybe me. he was—he's being diplomatic. George Payton is like letting it fly. He doesn't care. Love it, love it. We it's love already honesty. been reported, though, right? That they're going to cut him. Yes. Yeah. So he's, I don't like. I feel the, like the, I guess the, Payton's the just twenty twenty-five in... salary becomes fully guaranteed on March seventeenth, and until March seventeenth, there's absolutely no reason to believe that anything about the Russell Wilson situation has changed, and the Russell situation is that they are going to release him. I'm reverting back to I respect it. I respect the truth. 
Really? I don't. I don't. I think you should lie. If you're not lying, you're not trying. The it NFL rhymes. would be way more fun <laughs> if everybody told the truth. Yes. But within the current reality, it's really wild he said that. Yeah, he shouldn't have said it. I guess if he did say, yeah, I've heard on from a handful of teams, he'd be like, liar. Just immediately. By, just like, by no the way, way, Sean Payton was like, we're going to f- decide in two weeks. And then the reporter asked him a follow-up question. He said, I said two weeks. Jeez. And two weeks from now just so happens to be that March 17th <laughs> deadline. So do the math. Thanks, Sean. All right. Should we spin the wheel again? Let's spin Let's the wheel it. again. Or do you want to do the honors, oh, can Austin? I touch it? Yeah. <laughs> can I spin it? Let me spin. We just keep What's getting the rust. Be? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Kevin O'Connell. I think we're headed toward a good place in negotiations with Kirk Cousins. He added to that too, right? And he said, you know, Kirk wants to be here. And I think it was a very yeah, there was anti a lot Russell of, Wilson vibes. No, there was a, he was a, a diplomatic, I would say. A lot of the Vikings were kind of like a hot item at the podiums just because mm-hmm. they have, I mean, the Kirk situation, Justin Jefferson situation. There's probably, there's a fair bit in flux there. Um, so their offseason is going to be pretty interesting. I mean, what do you think the odds are that Kirk ends up staying in, in Minnesota? I think he likes Minnesota. I'd say 85%. I think that, I, I kind of yeah. believe, I kind of believe like that Kirk wants to be here and that they, and like when they're being that adamant about, you know, wanting him to stay there, I kind of back it. I, I think that they're telling the truth. I lo- I think that Kirk Cousins does end up back in Minnesota and I did, he makes sense for their window. Yeah. I think he's had, I think Kirk has been good with Kevin O'Connell. The last two years. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 Kirk is the, you know, we talked about quarterbacks um, and, you know, how they shape, like how we're evaluating quarter, you know, other quarterbacks. He's an example of like that average middle tier that I think has even gotten like overplayed to a point where it's like, oh, like you're at that Kirk level of the league where like can't win them with him or whatever. But like, I don't know. I do think with the talent level that they have and Kevin O'Connell, I think is, has been really good in Minnesota as well. I think Kirk makes sense for their window. Yeah. Do they want Mahomes? Do they want Allen? Do they want Lamar? Like people are, you know, it's it's fair to be like, well, they got to go shoot for someone bigger and like maybe they could. But I, I don't know. You keep coming back to like, what's what are the other choices, right? You're going to go get Jacoby Brissett or Baker Mayfield in free agency. You're going to go try and make a move up for one of these guys that we're not even sure is even Caleb Williams tier. I do think you have to kind of evaluate the rest of it. And, you know, some parts of me are like, develop a quarterback on a rookie deal. Other parts of me are like, if Kirk wants to come back and you're in the window and Justin Jefferson's still in that rookie contract, we're gonna have to pay him soon. I I, I kind of like the I kind of I like it. I think it makes sense for him to return to Minnesota. And you know what he wants. And he's he's said this like in the press. He didn't say it come out and say it, but he said structure matters with the contract, which means guaranteed money. Yeah. I don't even think he cares how much. He just wants it guaranteed at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Kirk Cousins is as long as he here, obviously I, I, he does. The but, ultimate bag getter of the NFL. Let's not <laughs> underrate this. But when it's guaranteed, it just hits different. It does hit different. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Everyone else in the <laughs> locker room is worried about getting cut, and he's and he's just relaxed. Can I, can I drop a take? Kirk, Kirk Cousins has done absolutely nothing for the structure of quarterback contracts. No, not at all. <laughs> absolutely not a thing. He gets the fully guaranteed deal, and they're like, yeah, we're not doing that for anything. <laughs> when that happened, he's been fine, when too. When that right? happened, the, the tone was like Kirk Cousins just changed football. Oh, yeah, that's true. Like, quarterbacks for centuries are going to be feeling the reverberations of of Kirk Cousins playing on the on the tag for 2 years just absolutely not a not a wit has a, changed a nonsense concept off rip Kirk Cousins will never change football <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Kirk Cousins uh, The question here with me is is I mean and it does come down to to 
what the cost is and what the structure is. And they can probably work something out with, um, with the years and which years are, are more expensive, but you don't want a situation where it comes down to Kirk or Jefferson. No. And the Vikings are not super capped out. Um, but right now, you know, they've got 36 mil give or take to, to play with and getting both of those done is going to be expensive. Now, particularly with Jefferson, you can do it in a way where, you know, is he going to be making $20 million next year? Yeah, probably. But if if the contract is actually a lot more than that, you can push yeah. a fair bit of that off. I don't think that if they ever got into a situation where they were choosing between Kirk and Jefferson that they would not go with Jefferson. I think there were other comments here today where they're like, we're not trading just Jefferson. Yes. And that stuff is like ridiculous. And I actually back that as well. Yes. But um I still think that there's ways with the current cap situation that they can fit both in, especially in the same window. And I don't think Kirk is going to be looking. I mean, what is Kirk getting a two-year deal? Maybe. I, I don't know. If he's getting re-signed, I don't necessarily think he's getting another three-year contract. Well, particularly uh, coming off the injury. I yeah, think yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't trade Jefferson. No, no. But I mean, but they. Can I ask? What would it look like? Hmm, it would for me. Of, it would have to be like a top ten quarterback, like swap like a draft pick even like a draft pick haul like maybe like three for two first round picks i'm two saying first no. and a player two first and, i'm saying no yeah i i think you have to keep i think what he does do you say to no like, to three first round picks no i say yes to that i think you have to say yes to that i think two you're gonna hit on one of those three right unless you're, you're the raiders necessarily gonna, <laughs> sorry you're not necessarily gonna hit on one of those two no what, what about for a known commodity like the first overall pick what else do you need what else do you need in this draft? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm doing that. Yeah, yeah. 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 I feel like pick. if it was going to be, but like be... you, tra- if you trade the first overall pick, you're, that's that's worth three, two or firsts three firsts. Yeah, especially plus. from where the, like, where the Vikings are coming. Yeah. At. What I don't do is the Vikings thing and trade him and then draft like trade him for number three and then draft Marvin Harrison Jr. I don't do. Yeah, that. yeah. Even yeah. though I love Marvin Harrison Jr., but. Jefferson's the best receiver in the keep, NFL. Keep Justin Jefferson. They did. Quasi was like, that is a blue chip player. <laughs> We are not in the business of trading those. We are not doing that. And like, unless you're George Payton, those podiums are not always the spaces for clarity and bluntness and honesty. But he was just like, that is simply not happening. I think blue chip players, I feel like, kill any conversation around window, right? I think that even if like you're the worst team in the league and Justin Jefferson's in this part of his contract, you're still keeping Justin Jefferson. Because what he does to help develop younger players if you're in that position where you don't have your quarterback or what he does when you do have a quarterback and how he can make you a couple games away from being like a deep playoff contender. I don't know. He's like window. He's windowless. You you, yeah, you yeah. always keep him. If it wasn't Minnesota, any teams you might might be be interested in seeing Kirk Cousins suiting up for? No. <laughs> if, if, Washington. If, if the Las Vegas Raiders sign Kirk Cousins, I think he'll have one of the worst years of his career. It'll be like Carson Palmer going to the Raiders, and it'll be like horrendous, and people will only remember him that way unless he gets another opportunity. Like, you don't, I don't think he's Matt someone. Ryan Colts. Yeah, I, I don't think he's someone that is like going to benefit from like a bad situation. And I think it's, I think it's underrated don't, how don't good Kevin Kirk Cousins is. out of Minnesota. Don't he take Kirk Cousins out of Minnesota. There. He, he belongs, belongs there. by a lake no. in a minivan. Yes. Not, Wearing not, various Coles accoutrement. Not only does he belong there, like he should be there. We yeah. don't like the other forty-nine states don't need Kirk Cousins. <laughs> should we spin? <laughs> Let's spin. All right. Oh. 
A little whack. <laughs> no franchise tags coming for running backs a year <laughs> after is... everyone got franchise. The tags. little dinky song that <laughs> for no the franchise tags. It's very funny when the headline is not positive. no money for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so this this was just interesting to me because it, this time last year there was such a raging conversation about what was happening with the running back position, those contracts, and now that we're a year later. Um, the one caveat to this is that uh, the Giants, because Saquon is is one of the players who falls into this conversation, did did follow up on this a little bit. And Joe Shane was like, we didn't know that the salary cap was going to be $255 million and And now that there's more money and maybe that changes things slightly. But I, I think I, I doubt that that will ultimately change things here. Um, the fact that a number of those guys, Josh Jacobs, in addition to Saquon, got the tag last year, obviously influences the fact that this is happening right now because you don't want to tag a player two years in a row because the premium goes up. That said, the actions of last season have created an interesting market at the position, right? Where there's going to be a lot of these guys, the, the free agent running back class has some names in it. Mm-hmm. Now, as we know, that does not necessarily and probably in reality does not translate to big money. And obviously the implication of, of teams deciding to go in this direction is that they don't feel that market value will eclipse or come close to eclipsing the franchise value. But it, it's just interesting to see what was such a big topic this time last year come back around this year where... You know, if you are a team that would like a a veteran running back and someone who has performed at a pretty high level, there are a lot of names out there. Now, obviously, again, we we all know the the pitfalls of spending big in order to acquire those guys, but some of the biggest names on the market play that position. And we will probably end up having some of the same conversations about sort of the referendum on on value and and that position and all of the unhappiness from a lot of those players about how that's developed. I think no matter what with running backs, this is a situation. It's like the opposite of the Justin Jefferson blue chip. It, mm-hmm. That doesn't apply to them. But with running backs, I think you have to take weird tactics no matter what, like fifth year options, yeah. franchise tags, double franchise tags, trades, tags and trades. Like you can't treat them like other positions, which just sounds bad. But like you're not going to draft one in the first round, let them develop for four years and then give them a huge contract and then mm-hmm. expect that to continue with a, like a quarterback, receiver, cornerback, any other position, basically. So I'm not surprised, but I'm kind of. Maybe I am a little surprised that none of them are getting tagged and we don't see any any of that creativity what, after that. What, what I found surprising is how early, because the, t- the franchise tag deadline has not passed yet. Right. But yeah, already yeah. getting sourced reports of these teams not using the tag. Like, we're not using the tag on Pollard. We're not using the tag on Barkley. We're not using the tag on um, Jacobs. And Eckler is not even in that conversation for the Chargers, even though... New Los Angeles Chargers GM made sure someone asked him about the running back position. He's like, hey. He literally like stopped. He's like, hey, I still think it's an important position. Oh, thanks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's good to hear. That's a real good, real good faith toward the running back position. But I think it's interesting that that's coming out. That tells me something that like I feel like agents are hearing like, dude, it's going to be bleak. I don't know. Yeah, like, yeah. I, think, yeah. I, think, I think agents are hearing it's going to be a little bleak out there. 
Um, you're not getting the franchise tag because your contract's not coming close to that right. average that's, annual value. That's yeah. what I think is like what we're going to end up, what this is going to end up sort of saying and communicating is, and and to your point, this is pretty, pretty bleak, is like the league is essentially saying to these guys, you were so pissed about getting the franchise tag. Like, yeah. And guess what? Guess what? Now you're going to get like a one how's, year. How's six million bucks? So incentive laden. Like, remember Eckler had that whole contract dispute last year with the Chargers and he was going to hold out or something. And then they were like, okay, we'll restructure your deal. And all they essentially did was like add a couple hundred thousand dollars to his deal if he yeah. hit the same numbers he hit the previous year. Yeah. He didn't. And now yeah. it's like, you know, part of you, you know, part of you can have the conversation on like maybe the, all the contracts should be more incentive laden and all that stuff. But then it's just like, it's one of the most injury prone positions. You're like, it's I don't so know. It's bad. a tough, it's a tough thing. And I think it, while we're on the topic, I don't know if this is a hot take or not. I think I talked to you about it. I think the franchise tag should be banned. I don't think the uh, we, I don't think the franchise tag tomorrow, should exist. And yesterday. Like, I'm like, I'm like kind of happy that it's not happening for running backs, but at the same time, running backs a different position because you know you're not. Gonna, I think they're going to get to that point where you're not franchise tagging low value positions. The anymore. franchise tag is is anti capitalistic and yeah. un American. I was going to say the origin of the franchise tag is Christopher Columbus. Yeah, also. yeah it also <laughs> might be. It also might be because like. When you think about some of the contract negotiations in the past, like I remember when George Kittle was getting his extension mm -hmm. and there was um conversation about what's it going to be and what's his average going to be, should be treated as a receiver. And like, there were like, this is just my opinion of the situation. If you're at the negotiating table and you're able to tell Kittle, we will tag you and you'll get nowhere near the money you're asking for, or we can kind of find a middle ground. The fact that like that is a bargaining chip at the table for NFL teams saying, no, you're going to play for us no matter what at this money. That's your floor. Like that to me is like kind of rough. I, feel I don't like, know. I feel like we saw this at the safety position. Like yes, it was like yes, four yes, years yeah, ago yeah, yeah. where like no safety was getting signed and it was like July. Mm -hmm. And I yeah. think we're headed for a similar situation. It's almost like a market correction. I don't think it's organic. I think it's the teams yeah. like making this happen. But I think that's what we're headed for. Look, like these are these right now are the rules of the road, mm -hmm. right? And I, I think the thing that you know, the running back conversation often gets gets made in terms of value, which I think is sometimes tough because are you talking about value to a team on the field on a down-to-down -down basis? I think we've seen increasingly over the last couple of years that in the NFL, being able to run the ball actually does matter. Yeah. And and we've seen teams that are are highly competitive, some of the best teams in the league. We've seen it in San Francisco. We've seen it in Miami. We've seen it in Kansas City, right? Like being able to have a sustainable running game is an important part of winning in 2024. What we're talking about is the supply side. Mm -hmm. Like look, look at it right now. None of these guys are getting tagged. They're available. Yeah. And it's not going to cost that much. And therefore... If you had one, why would you franchise tag them? And I think too often the positional value conversation, which I feel like former PFF guy yeah, probably said shame. too many times, but like I think positional value does not need to be so often a conversation like who matters more on the field. Like, oh, is a tackle more important? It's like, no, right. how much do these guys make on average? And th that league will tell you how valuable these right. guys are. How Running easy, backs are one of the most. How easy is lowest... it to, to, to draft someone and. Yes acquire a player for relatively little capital and have that person help your team. And I think that's related to like the tight end position too. Like, and like, I think there's been conversation in this draft class about Brock Bowers and he, he's the Georgia tight end. Is he going to be a top five pick? Should he be considered in the top 10? And like Sam Laporta had success, but he was a second round pick. People are worried about the Kyle Pitts stuff. And I think that tight end is one where 
we're not just seeing it be a lowly paid position, but we're also not seeing return on tight end investment in the draft until their second contract. Like think about David Njoku, who I thought was maybe one of the better tight end prospects mm-hmm. when he was coming out of Miami. Why well, did think about David Njoku make me laugh? <laughs> but now like, nobody ever thinks no, about no one ever is thinking about Njoku. But I think I don't know. I I've, I find myself thinking like running backs opposite. Like you want them on that rookie contract because that's when they're in their prime, and that's why it kind of sucks for running backs. But tight end. Part of the positional value, not even the positional value conversation, but like, are they worth their, you know, top 10 pick in the draft is oftentimes you're not seeing tight ends hit their like stride until that second contract and like they're 26, 27, 28 years old. I feel very similar about linebacker. I know I'm getting off a tangent here, but like linebacker is a position where rookie contract oftentimes like you're not Patrick Queen has just now, I feel like starting to figure out, starting to get a little bit better. better, And like now, like you drafted Patrick Queen as high as they did. I think they even traded up for him. And you're just like, you're going to have to pay him now. If you want to keep him, you're going to have to pay him as good as now he's gotten. And I don't know. I think that's part of the conversation, too. Should we spin the wheel? One more spin? How many more spins do we get? One more. One more. You want to do it, Nora? Oh, yeah, I'm going to do it. Get a spin in. Get a spin (laughs) That would be good content, though. Get a spin in. Oh, it's gone. It's kind of electric. This is... That was thrilling. The, we need wi- to spin more the in, in our daily here. lives. Yeah, what, yeah. We don't spin enough. What do we spin? Bring back spinners. Yeah, where are spinners at? Not just Fish spinning spinners. for nothing. I want to spin more. The in game life. of life. Actually, the game of life was a good game. Can I spin but something fidget, at the fidget, end fidget, of a che- like at the end of a meal? Fidget spinners have like a whole. <laughs> do you guys not know what I'm talking about? No, I know what a fidget spinner is, yeah, but yeah, like you just do it out of boredom, though. I yeah, wanted something that like means something to me. I want to spin more for life. I want steaks. Yeah, I want like steaks. That's what I'm saying. I want steaks. Like okay. if I go to a restaurant, you don't get to order anything. You have to spin well, for it. Look, what's what's the name of our handy website that we used? Pickerwheel.com. Yeah, no secrets there. Incredible website. That's good. Not not spawn. But like Pickerwheel deserves a shout out. The the user-friendly nature of this platform was unparalleled. Yeah. We had an ex- extremely positive user experience. We and, didn't pay for premium though. We did not pay for <laughs> premium. We did not upgrade to premium. Um, we thought about it so that we could set our background photo, but then could decided against it. Um, we have a, the, the wheel has landed. What do we got? <laughs> Elliot Wolf on QBs. I say there's a lot of options on the table. <laughs> Thank you, Elliot. My favorite quotes at the podiums. Were <laughs> also, so. I mean, this idea was born out of the fact that like pro football talk headlines just really make me laugh. They're <laughs> so, so like out of context. There was one that the wheel didn't come up with, or maybe we didn't put it on the wheel. Um, but it was like, we don't know what Hendon Hooker is. But he's growing. Like he's that's like, like a meteor. Like, like NASA <laughs> says that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Those are always good articles from NASA too. Yeah. This meteor is coming, kind of maybe. It's I getting don't know. bigger. <laughs> it's like huge. probably not. But if it does hit, it will wipe out humanity. <laughs> I do feel like Pro Football Talk maybe over indexes on the colon headline. But they it's a good love way. A colon. It's a good way to fit an SEO. No, they absolutely good. love mm-hmm. a colon, and then they also they do love like a little scare quote where Ooh. it's something that's not at all spicy but they just choose to put part of the quote in the headline. So it'll be like, um, there was one where it was like, uh, Ryan Pohl's um, conversations with Jalen Johnson are, are like, quote, pretty good. Yeah, that's <laughs> And great. it just makes it seem like you're sarcastic. That's so good. That's it's so, so good. good. That's, it's, that's I could, just I, good. I could read pro football talk headlines all day. <laughs> um Concerning, concerning Elliot statement. Wolf, a lot of options. Let's talk about table. Elliot Wolf. Ma- ma- maybe the opposite of uh, what what Patton said or Peyton said, and that like no one's calling. He's like, I got a lot of options. Maybe kind of flexing. Why he can are get you out guys of there. having trouble with Peyton? The coach and the GM have the same sounding. It should last be Patton. It should, it should be. Patton. be. He's pronouncing it wrong, not us. <laughs> 
He goes by Bo. (laughs) You trade for Russell Wilson, like, we're not going to pronounce it. Make a good trade and I'll pronounce your name. How about that? (laughs) No, but I I don't, I I think I, I find myself liking the idea more and more that the Patriots are sitting there at three, convincing maybe even themselves to like have scouts in the room leaking that the Patriots like Jaden Daniels and leaking other things. They so like, be. Cause I, 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 if they get an offer that I think they can get from some of these teams that won't have an opportunity to maybe go make a swing and like, say, say the bucks don't resign Baker Mayfield. And that's another team that maybe needs a quarterback. And um, the Falcons are one that needs a quarterback. I think that they, they could have some callers and you get enough ones to call up. I, I don't know. I, I think that getting out of that pick and then, so not, then, not saying going again with Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi, maybe trying someone in the second, but at least competing. But I'd rather have that than swing on Jane Daniels. Wolf said, like, we need to weaponize the offense. I don't, that's a really weird word choice, but they need to before yeah. they get the quarterback. Oh, you, bring J- you drop Jaden Daniels into the Mac Jones situation. He's not going to be good. He's not going to be good. Gonna he's going to, he's going to have to scramble and he's going yeah. to scramble into big, large men. Uh, I would I would draft Marvin Harrison Jr. I would keep the pick. Keep the pick over trading back. Not not if you get like a future first. Even any yeah, it pick. depends on how far you have yeah, to how go far down. you're going down. I'm not yeah. a big neighbors guy. I you don't, don't like neighbors? Mm-hmm. Whoa. Say that's that. a I'll, take that you I'll guys have to get thing. to later. He doesn't like neighbors. I like neighbors a lot. He's sick. Catch the ball with but your they, hands. So Ke- Kendrick Bourne's a free agent. Devontae Parker, no thanks. Taekwon Thornton's not gonna pan out. Demario Douglas, pop <laughs> Douglas. Uh, for, former just six, crushing dreams. Former sixth round pick out of Ole Miss who like, yeah, kind of fun. Like, I, I'm out. I'm out on this whole receiving core. That was a, a pro football talk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah kind of fun. Yeah. Pop kind Douglas Colin, kind of fun. I, I, I think that you're right in that if they don't bring in some people who can actually catch the football. Yeah, and, like and, that and, offensive and, line yeah, needs a lot of they, work. They're not in a place where taking a big swing on a prospect with maybe has a little range of outcomes or a wide range of outcomes. Either way, it's not going to be good right away. That to yeah. me, I feel like is how you break a quarterback. Going back to what I said, like that's that's literally the the playbook. The playbook of breaking a quarterback is you take Jaden Daniels at three and you don't end up being able to upgrade the offense to a place where he can actually develop for his first two years. You end up panicking around his third year. And next thing you know, you're like already back in the same position and the offense hasn't improved if that's in a, terms of talent. If that's the playbook, then what is hiring Matt Patricia to be OC? So that that's different. <laughs> that's, that's shattering a quarterback, maybe, or or just that's just nep- so we didn't have nepotism conversation in this yet, but I do think nepotism is a piece of uh, how the league. That's a copycat league. <laughs> it's a, a little bit of a copycat league on the nepotism front. It's been a down year for rocket science in the NFL. Yeah, that's say. true. That's true. <laughs> Josh Dobbs kind of fell off the face of the earth. Matt Patricia, it's been a bad stretch for him. Yeah. Should we talk about the other quote Wolf dropped? The oh, possible yeah. shade. What did you think of that one, Nora? Okay, so what they're referring to is that Elliot Wolf. Um, do you guys know? I don't know what the question was, but his answer, it's its often very hard to hear the they question. Pre- yeah. they, they, the coaches speak into microphones and it's projected, so you can always hear the answers, but sometimes it's hard to hear the question. Um, but Elliot Wolf said uh, that the plan was for the team to have, quote, less of a hard ass vibe. <laughs> going Same, by the way. I'm trying to like reduce that. I'm trying to have more of a hard ass vibe. <laughs> he's like, he's like, less of a cut off sleeve hoodie vibe yeah. <laughs> less of like a belichick here in the locker room like it, it here vibe you know less of like a like a navy football enthusiast <laughs> lacrosse sucks <laughs> <laughs> 
But what, okay, so how, what, what are some of the inputs that the Patriots need to to, to reduce the hard ass vibe? Is it just is it just removing Belichick and the hoodies and stuff like that, or no, take the do to, your no, job no, no, off no, no, the no. wall? Or that's like in some ways a wild quote that because he said it. Um, what would do that would be if the people who worked within the organization talked to each other. Yeah, yeah, and that like, could be big. Had meetings and stuff, <laughs> nice. and like knew what was going on with the team. So I if think it was just like sweeter go. and more communicative. We're gonna get out of the hard ass vibe. Yeah. Like if 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 everyone's less of a hard ass. Yeah. True. This is like we whenever like a, a coach is like, we're gonna be tough, we're gonna be physical, people like make the the tweets and they're like, Oh, what when is the let's guy go, gonna be like let's back. be soft and yeah, yeah. Ellie Wolf kind of did that. He's like, let's be a little softer. <laughs> yeah. Wait, Patriots. Maybe that's the that's the headline. Patriots, <laughs> Elliot Wolf. We wanna be soft <laughs> and not tough. We're looking to get softer in twenty twenty four. Do you guys ever see those memes where it's like like <laughs> Are are you there, God? The men you created are are like tweeting about Harry Styles or like picking like the, he, Elliot Wolf is li- living in the the Harry Styles era. I feel like he wants more parts. Slay, yeah, which is a, good. An evolved king. By the way, Belichick won't forget. Never. No, Belichick- we were talking about this before. Three years from now. Belichick is going to be on some sort of like anniversary broadcast and he's just going to like drop an absolute scorching hot eviscerating take about like or like not even take but just like mumble about yeah well we had we had a had a little bit of success won a few games some people think it's a hard ass vibe but I don't know I got One a couple of hard Super ass Bowls. Super Bowl rings <laughs> that would those be good are, those are pretty hard the medal and the trophies is pretty hard I don't know I you got a good Belichick to me. You have a very good yeah, Belichick. Belichick impression. I sat in those press conferences for a long That's time, good. guys. Those are good. You think like Mike Girardi or like <laughs> those guys have a better one? Probably, yeah. Uh, yeah. In like the 70s, Marv Levy came into the NFL and tried to run like the wing tee. Hmm. And it was a disaster. It didn't work. And in like 1993, Belichick made a joke about it because he, he hates Marv Levy, like with a passion. <laughs> and he was like, yeah, that was that was real genius. It's, it's Marv Levy. <laughs> It's Charlie Casserly. Dominic Rayola for some reason. Yes. His son is coming yes. up. Oh, is he? Oh, yeah, yeah. What yeah. if Belichick drafts his son? Belichick's not in the league anymore, man. He's not coming back. He's coming yeah. back. <laughs> and it's Weatherman. Does he uh, not like Shula? He did, but that's like... He, he respects no, Shula. He doesn't... No, he... Well, that's... <laughs> but that's like... I think Shula... Maybe it's because of Shula's... He's like sort of still chasing him in some way. It doesn't come out with Shula. Yeah, Belichick like once a year, once every other year would say like something really out of pocket about Weatherman, mm. and it it just it always goes so far. It's always like, yeah, well, never been right once in the entire history of the profession. <laughs> if you want to, if you want to know what the temperature is going to be, don't look it up. They're all worthless. I, I can't like, it find it, so but far. I swear, he, one time he combined the bits and he trashed. Casserly and, and Weatherman. Weatherman you compared him time. to a Weatherman. There was, there was like a nobody's, nobody's been wrong more than Charlie Casserly except for the Weatherman That's or what something it was, like was that. Something like that. That's oh god, that guy's great. I, I, I really do like, uh, you know, holding a grudge. I feel like we need to keep that around. I feel like it gets. I feel like yeah, keeping I'm, a grudge I'm, is nice. It's a nice change of pace to everyone kind of moving on so quickly. It's also like <laughs> people who keep grudges like hate somebody for. They're a little consistent bit. and they're predictable. Yeah, you know, like yes. you sort of know. You know what makes them tick. You know what's like grinding their gears in the morning. Also, kind of honest. Have some conviction. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> like care enough to have a little hate, hate in your heart. <laughs> yeah. Should we end the pot on that? Brought note? to you by Pickerwheel. <laughs> <laughs> Not brought to you by Pickerwheel.com. 
just in enthusiastic support of enhanced by Picker enhanced by pickerwheel.com <laughs> all right this has been triple threat uh enhanced by quadruple by threat pickerwheels pickerwheels Picker a fourth yeah or like i mean do we need one for every every uh every spin of the wheel or every not not quadrants this has been whatever it's been <laughs> Um, I'm Nora Frizziati. He's Stephen Ruiz. He's Austin Gale. Thank you so much, Austin, for hopping on and joining us. Thank you to Isaiah Blakely for producing this episode. Thank you to Eduardo Ocampo for helping us out on socials. Thank you to Arjuna Ramgopal and Connor Nevins for their additional production supervision and to you for listening. Um, extra point taken. Ben and Shield, they're going to be up next. And we will be back next week with more to come on the combine, on the draft, all sorts of stuff. Maybe we'll use the wheel again. Austin, I'm sure we'll be seeing you. <laughs> Lots of good stuff. <laughs>